0: Welcome to our podcast, Talk To Me, Sister. I'm Kathy.
1: And I am Sarah. And we are twin sisters documenting our surrogacy journey, discussing women's health, motherhood, and all the details that led us here. Our mission is to not only educate and inform,
0: but to spread joy and hope through our story. Thanks for following along.
1: Welcome to our podcast. Welcome, everybody. Welcome Hello. back. Welcome back. Coming off our last episode, which was all about nutrition, we did a Q&A. We dove into the basics of nutrition. Kathy and I decided we wanted to do one episode, which was all based around how nutrition relates to fertility specifically. Um, so, Kathy... You have loads of knowledge because this is really your career focus and your education. So why don't you tell everybody you, well, you're a registered dietitian, which is amazing. And what are your credentials? Tell us.
0: Yeah. So we did, I think, address this a handful of times because I always bring this up because it just has so much to do. With like what we talk about on this podcast and of course my surrogacy journey and mm-hmm. your health. And yes, so, yeah, I'm a registered dietitian. I have a master's in nutrition and really the past five years, I have focused my career on women's health, mm-hmm. fertility, pregnancy, postpartum, kind of that area. And it really started when I was pregnant with my son, where I started to focus more on that. Um, even though it's always been a passion, I started focusing my career kind of on that, so uh, clearly um, I love it and I'm ex- so excited to share with people today just on this topic. And I honestly could talk about fertility and nutrition so much. Um, and I will say there's so many reasons why someone can struggle with subfertility or infertility or hormone mm-hmm. imbalance. So it is hard to be super specific um, mm-hmm. and we will be probably general and specific for, for, The sake of just a general audience. But I think we're going to give some good action steps and information, and then we'll give resources for people who need to dig in a little deeper.
1: That's right. And I'm excited to hear you talk about this because I know you get so excited when you talk about nutrition as it relates to fertility. You even helped me in my pregnancy with Charlotte, and as it relates to nutrition and just women's health in general. You helped me also on the nutrition sh- side when I was doing treatment and then post-treatment to get my body stronger. So um, before we get into all the questions and the nitty-gritty, I have to say this about our last episode because we talked about dairy, and I know, oh, yeah. it's con- <laughs> I know it's controversial, and I quit dairy a couple years ago. Um, it's always hurt my stomach. I've been the one of those like no-dairy people. I cut it out because of the hormones. So I added it back in as a kind of a a test because I was like, okay, maybe my body can handle it now. Wait. So for people who did
0: not listen to the last episode, our last episode was just a nutrition Q and a Sarah Mm. just picked my brain about common nutrition questions. And she asked me about dairy, if it's good or bad. And I said, it's good. Right. I said, there's no set food group or. Type of food that is bad for just the blanket population, right? Mm-hmm. So, I, so I said, if if it bothers your gut, bothers your digestive issues, or if it bothers your skin, dairy is not good for you. But there's no reason for just somebody to cut it out just for cutting it out sake because it can be beneficial. Mm-hmm. And we talked about its benefit in fertility as well. So. So Sarah wanted to add it
1: back in as a result of our conversation. So yeah. what happened? And I, well, it was bad. It was so bad. I mean, <laughs> my stomach hurt. I was breaking out on my chin. You know those hormonal breakouts that honestly, I when I cut dairy, I got rid of it. I mean, I've tried all the you know the creams and all the thing. Anyway, so I want to shout out to the people who just cannot do dairy. It's okay. But I want to show. I want to share um, a product that I found because. There's nothing like cream in your coffee in the morning. And I had really struggled with finding the perfect non-dairy creamer. And I found it. It took me like literally 10 months. I tried all the things. It's called Ripple. It's made from pea protein. You can get it to Kroger at Kroger. Plug. This is not an ad or anything. I just love it. <laughs> I just but love you, Ripple. Yeah, I just love Ripple. But you you don't like it, right? I thought no, you said I didn't. you...
0: Yeah, I didn't like Ripple. I also use non-dairy creamer in my coffee, though I am a dairy consumer. I just, I have found like something I'm going to do every day. I like it to be non-dairy just for my skin as well. But like I also
1: eat cheese and things like that.
0: I like so so delicious coconut
1: creamer. That's my favorite. That so That is really good. That's hey. my fave. And the meme you sent me the other day was hilarious where God yeah. was like, I gave them all these animals. with What was it?
0: Yeah, I was like, a picture of Jesus. And he was like, I gave them like nine animals to milk, and they're making milk out of almonds. almonds
1: <laughs> and his hands are up. He's like in his robe, his Jesus robe. And he's like, WT. Uh. Well, he didn't say that probably, but yeah, he's he like, probably did. The-? It um, made me think
0: of our conversation. But I, I really think it's important to note that if you work with a practitioner, a nutritionist, a doctor who says, a blanket statement of gluten is bad for everybody, dairy is bad for everybody, meat is bad for everybody then i would I would get a second opinion because mm-hmm. everybody has a different health journey, everybody has different needs, and dairy is one of those, like clearly you're one who doesn't tolerate dairy, and that's okay. That's where you have to make sure you are um being intentional with your food choices and getting calcium and protein. And, you know, some of the vitamins and minerals from dairy products, just from other sources, and that's totally okay.
1: Yes. Okay. Something I just thought of that we should do later is, is talk about the blood type diet because there's some – I'm really interested in it. I don't know if it's accurate or not. We can talk about it later. I just thought of that right now because I know there's some people with different blood types that handle foods differently. Interesting. Yes. And Interesting. Yeah. So it's worth the conversation. Worth For a conversation. Sure. <laughs> okay, so Kathy, let's dive into it. Tell us, you talked about this just a second ago, but tell us a little bit more about the relationship between nutrition and fertility um, and how those two correlate.
0: Yes, it's so important
1: before we jump in.
0: And I will give you, like I said, some general advice and information today. Um, but I do have to say, always check with your practitioner and provider. This is an educational podcast. This is not meant to provide or treat or diagnose you guys as listeners. So, um, we are not substitutes for your healthcare provider. That's my
1: disclaimer. My
0: disclaimer. <laughs> gotta, um, say gotta say that, but it's so important to listen to these things, do your own research. Second, second, guess what I say. Even Um, because it's so important to be your own health advocate. So, um, if you don't have a practitioner that you drive with, find a new one and do your own research. Um, so yeah, the, the relationship between nutrition and fertility is vast. You know, we know that. Not only is it important that we get two pink lines on that pregnancy test, right? We want to have a healthy baby. We want to have a healthy baby that grows into a healthy adult. And we know that preconception nutrition influences all of these. Um, We know that nutrition can boost fertility by Mm
1: -hmm.
0: boosting egg quality, by boosting sperm quality, by balancing hormones, by affecting rates of implantation, by affecting embryo development, by nutrient absorption, how our body and our gut is, does affect how we're absorbing nutrients. Um, Nutrition can affect epigenetics. So how our genes are expressed in our children, our genes are expressed in us. And um, of course, pregnancy and birth outcomes are improved. So that's just a really fast and dirty example of why nutrition is important. The research is very clear and overwhelming that there's so many impacts on even just vitamin mineral status on fertility in men and women.
1: That's right. And so in a little bit later, we're going to go into specific questions that can help women boost their fertility in terms of nutrition and doing certain things, but you mentioned vitamins. I want to ask you about supplements specifically. Sure.
0: Well, we know that like chronic malnutrition or chronic undernutrition Mm -hmm. can lead to, you know, subfertility. So just trouble getting pregnant and infertility as well. So I'll go through my favorite. Like I said, everybody's different. Depending on your diet, you may need different things. So for example, like if someone's a vegan or vegetarian, we're going to have a completely different conversation about what supplements they need. And generally, I try to modify someone's diet when they are trying to conceive. But number one vitamin I always recommend, and your OB and fertility clinic will probably recommend this as well, is folate, active folate. We always hear that folic acid is a vitamin that is preventative for uh, spina bifida and kind of healthy brain development, encourages healthy brain development. But actually 40 to 60% of the population do not actively metabolize folic acid. So folic acid is the synthetic form of the vitamin. It's made in a lab and most of the population, I am one of those, don't absorb folic acid. So if you're not getting that active vitamin, often it can really impair fertility because the very first stage of development of an embryo is like the brain and spinal cord. So if we're not getting that specific nutrient, often we don't make it through those early stages and kind of those chemical pregnancies will happen. So you want active folate on a bottle. It'll look like methyl folate for the most part. And it's really helpful for cell division. Like I said, brain and spinal cord, it's necessary for DNA production. So I usually recommend checking your prenatal. If your prenatal has folic acid, toss it. There's so many great ones. I will plug Seeking Health's Optimal Prenatal. I'm an ambassador of Seeking Health. So I will put a link to Seeking Health Vitamins and a promo code in our show notes. But it has active folate and, of course, all the other active vitamins as well. So check your prenatal. You can also get it from beans, legumes, liver if you're a liver and organ meat eater, and then greens, spinach, kale, avocado.
1: Yeah, that's something that I did not know. I, would, I think I, for Charlotte, I was taking a prenatal with the folic acid in it, and then you guys— you and Anna both were like, okay, no, you need to be taking folate. And so if I have a prenatal that has folate in it, do I take another folate supplement on top of the prenatal? So that's a great question. I
0: would, it depends on how much is in your prenatal. Again, this is where it gets specific. If you're taking a really good quality prenatal, like seeking Health, Mm -hmm. you don't probably need an extra one. And I will say, vitamin companies are getting really sneaky. Like, um, I'm not going to name drop a bad one, but I'll say, it'll say <laughs> don't folate. out anyone. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not <gonna> out anyone, <laughs> but it'll say folate. And then in parentheses, it'll say as folic acid. So you have to really read
1: labels fake, to make sure you're having fake news. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay.
0: So Make sure your your prenatal has folate. It's very, very important. So that's the first nutrient. Okay. The second is vitamin D, as in dog. D three is generally what we recommend. We do see research linked inadequate vitamin D levels with infertility, with miscarriage, with a whole with cancers. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. though science continues to unfold, even COVID. We see that vitamin D, people with adequate vitamin D are less likely to contract COVID. Right. So it's like important for your immune system. It just continues to be a vitamin that we explore in research and is incredible. We see that uh, fertility rates are sometimes higher in the summer. Mm-hmm. And that's often because of sunshine and vitamin D exposure. So that is crazy, I generally, crazy, crazy. Yeah. Isn't it cool? And then of course, even just for fetal development, mm-hmm. like it's so important, right? Again, this is more than just thinking we need two pink lines on the mm-hmm. test. We want a healthy baby, <laughs> So vitamin D is really important. Again, the amount that you take is probably up to your doctor. What you can do and what I always recommend is to get your vitamin D levels tested. And your doctor can do that with a simple blood test. I actually just went for my blood work at my OB office and they tested my vitamin D without me asking. So hopefully people are starting to do this more often.
1: I have Um, never requested that. Even like in a general practitioner checkup. But um, in a little bit, we're going to dive into what blood work levels are normal because that's something that I never knew until I, you know, was diagnosed with cancer and had post treatments and tried to figure out where I should be.
0: Yeah. I'll tell you guys all, get your pen and paper out. I'm going to tell you what to ask your doctor (laughs) for. Write it down. Again, being your own health advocate. So a couple more things about vitamin D. I will say my paperwork from the fertility clinic recommended 1000 to 2000 units a day. So I feel comfortable saying that on, you know, verbally Mm -hmm. (laughs) on the podcast, because that's what they recommended for me. Generally, your multivitamin will have about 1000, you know, maybe 400, even maybe not a ton. So check that you can also increase your vitamin D supplementation. I will say I take an additional vitamin D supplement just because the evidence is just too strong.
1: Hey guys. So we love this podcast. We really hope you do too. This is a great way to share our story. And if you have a few minutes to rate us or review us, we would be so grateful.
0: Yes. We are supported by you, our friends and our listeners. You have heard me mention my favorite high quality vitamin company before seeking health. I have been a fan for a really long time. So when they (laughs) reached out, I kind of geeked out. So anytime you guys purchase your vitamins and supplements through our affiliate code, you are supporting the Talk To Me Sister podcast. All of that information is in our show notes, but Seeking Health is also offering you guys a 10% off promotion off your next order. Use the code SISTER10 to get 10% off. That's sister And the number 10.
1: That's awesome. Okay, so you guys, you want quality vitamins. Remember that. Don't waste your money, whether you're buying their optimal prenatal or active folate or the probiotics. These are numero uno. They're the best. They also have a genetic test kit that you can purchase on
0: their website and do at home. It's a saliva test. It is a roadmap for your health and guides you at what supplements are best for your specific DNA. And it can help tell you what's contributing
1: to your chronic health
0: conditions and tell you what to do about it. So it's amazing.
1: And so guys, this code won't expire. So if you're listening to this at a later date, no worries at all. So go get some quality vitamins, start feeling the benefits, start feeling better. That's Seeking Health, Sister 10, to get 10% off. Thanks so much.
0: Okay, so there are a couple things I missed uh, about vitamin D <laughs> that I want to go back to, and just because vitamin D is so important, i want to encourage people to ask your doctor and make sure you're supplementing extra but vitamin d we we have vitamin D receptors on all the reproductive all the cells in our reproductive organs. We actually have vitamin D receptors on a lot of in in a lot of our body, but especially our reproductive organs. Which is really cool. It shows it's an important thing, right? We know vitamin D enhances ovulation, egg transport, and fertilization. And low levels of vitamin D have been associated with infertility, pregnancy
1: loss, and PCOS. So get that vitamin D. I was going (laughs) to say, get your supplement. Lay in the sun by your pool. If you don't have a pool, lay in your driveway like we did in college. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. (laughs) Get some sun. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah. So a couple other things I want to point out. Um, vitamin E is a strange one, but we know that it was actually originally named Fertility Factor X in 1922 because rats couldn't reproduce without it.
1: Isn't that crazy? That is so interesting to me because I feel like vitamin E is, is your like redheaded stepchild. I hate to say that. That's taboo. Hey maybe I shouldn't say that but I feel like it's the vitamin <laughs> I'm e a redhead that-
0: guys so don't let this
1: <laughs> offend you okay <laughs> <Sarah>. <laughs> We have redheaded we have redheaded nieces and nephews okay Lots of Um no I I feel like it's the vitamin that I forget about I mean I don't even do I take it now even though I'm not well, the good thing about vitamin E
0: is it is one that is more readily available in food sources. So I would say I that's one I have not supplemented in my fertility journey, but it is encourage I encourage you to try to get it from more food sources. So this is where as like someone who's trying to eat more intentionally, it's one reason I like nutrition in the mm-hmm. fertility space is because it gives you things to do while you're in that waiting period, right? So you're saying, okay, like how do I get more vitamin E, right? Fresh fruits, vegetables, nuts are a great source, fresh grains. So we talked last time a lot about the Mediterranean style diet, Mm -hmm. specifically for men, we're seeing that vitamin E and a lot of these antioxidant vitamins are really important for sperm health. And I know in a second, we're going to talk about men, but That's why eating kind of more plant-based, more fresh foods, you will get a good amount of vitamin E, vitamin A, vitamin C, a lot of these vitamins that we know are important for fertility and also just natural antioxidants that will help with any type of inflammation that may be getting in the way of your hormone health or your reproduction.
1: Okay. So last quick thing about supplements, can you talk a little bit about a probiotic? Because I take one now. And should you stop taking one when you're trying to get pregnant or if you're pregnant or is that is that really important for fertility? Yes. So
0: again, it just depends on the person. But we do know that gut health is very important for fertility. So when I'm meeting with clients for the first time, I will ask about their bowel movements. How often? What do they look like? Do you bloat? Because all this information is actually really important. Number 1, we know that actually by having healthy bowel movements, we have healthy estrogen metabolism. We excrete estrogen that way. So if we're not having normal bowel movements, it may be getting in the way of our hormone balance. Also, if we're having bloat and everything, it could de- and having inflammation in there, it could impair nutrient absorption. And also think about how close our digestive tract is to our reproductive organs, right? Like <laughs> right. we really want all of that to be in good balance and,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, not a ton of inflammation going on. And actually we do know that probiotic, like we have good bacteria even in our vagina, so it can create a balanced environment for sperm survival. So yeah, my, that's my long answer. My fast answer is a probiotic is a great option and really important, especially if you're experiencing some of those things I mentioned, maybe some, you know, not normal bowel movements, maybe some gas and distension. Um, so those are really important things. Now, the type of probiotic can make a difference. There's some not great probiotics. I usually recommend that it has some strains from a lactobacillus and bifidobacter, bifidobacter strain. So okay. two different types of strains. I take the garden of life one and it's, it's a women's blend. And so it actually is designed for kind of female health, which is great.
1: I love that brand. I, I, that's the probiotic I take too. And it's, um, it's great. i always just, really liked it. Yeah.
0: It's just like one a day. It's really gentle. Now, if you take a probiotic and it bothers you, like it, you notice it disrupts your digestive health then it may be too strong
1: Mm -hmm. for you.
0: You may want to start slower and kind of build your way up. And of course, probiotic rich foods are great too. Sauerkraut, kimchi, fermented dairy, kombucha,
1: um, things like that. That's all good advice. Speaking of bloat, you you just talked about bloat. I want to ask you a couple specific questions as it relates to fertility. Should women cut carbs? I have heard that if you have PCOS, a very low carb diet helps. How can you do this in a healthy way or is it not healthy? What's your feedback on on the carb thing? That's a great question because
0: carbs get a bad rap. I will say with PCOS, it is important to watch your carbs, to mm-hmm. limit your carbs, especially refined carbs, so like just processed carbs, and sugars, sweets, cakes, cookies, candies, ice cream. But carbohydrates in general are not the enemy. Carbs include whole grains, fruits and vegetables, beans and legumes, like a lot of really important things that we want. With PCOS, what we want to avoid is large servings of carbs at one time. Because what happens is Simply put, I guess, is that if we get a large spike in our blood sugar, then we get a large spike in our insulin. Mm -hmm. And then subsequently, we get a large spike in our testosterone. We don't want a lot of that as women. We need some of it, but not too much. And then, of course, that causes a whole cascade that is imbalancing for our hormones and our inflammation and our cortisol and things that are not... Supportive to our hormone balance. So it's not that we have to avoid carbs, we just want to avoid large servings and large spikes. So it's actually really important when you are trying to conceive that you include foods from every food group. So this is something I work with women a lot on is actually making sure that we're getting enough food, right? So I work, think about like this is something that I did too, right? We wake up, we're rushing, we have a cup of coffee, I grab a protein bar. I go all the way to lunch without eating anything. And then I'm starving. (laughs) Yeah. I eat something maybe I shouldn't. And then I grab a brownie in the break room back when we used to go to places (laughs) and go to work. (laughs) And then we eat a balanced dinner. So that's good. It's not a terrible day. but there's a little imbalance there, right? Maybe not enough in the beginning of the day, maybe too much there in the middle. Maybe we're trying to catch up. So the most important thing is actually that we're getting enough food. And anytime we're removing a specific food group, like carbs, or we're removing proteins a lot, or removing removing fat, like a low-fat diet, our body often does not feel like it's an adequate time to reproduce, right? We have to think of our ancestors right kind of our caveman ancestors right like if it was a time of migration or famine our periods would shut down reproduction would slow and that's in a way to keep women safe right if it's not a safe time to reproduce our bodies listen Mm
1: -hmm.
0: right so i was talking to someone the other day who even just like went traveling and was off of a normal schedule Mm -hmm. and her period went away
1: Interesting. So,
0: it's just our bodies want comfort. Our body want to know it's safe. And one simple way to do that is making sure that you're getting food from every food group. Your body says, "Oh, it's a time of plenty. It's a good uh-huh. time to reproduce. There's no famine." So, making sure you're getting carbohydrates is one of them. You don't have to start like eating handfuls of Cheez-Its, but we want to make sure we're getting whole grains.
1: <laughs> make sure you're still <laughs> making healthy choices, but yeah. I you know, I was so one of those uh, people for so many years, I was kind of that, you know, busy, busy, busy bee would jump out of bed, rush out the door with coffee. I don't think I ate breakfast for five years. So I think that when I, Charlotte's pregnancy was such a surprise to me. I couldn't even, my body felt so run down. I was honestly so surprised I got pregnant. Yeah. Um, So I'm so thankful for her. And that was such a surprising and beautiful blessing. But um, well, I see that a
0: lot with people is when you get pregnant, all of a sudden you're not eating for yourself anymore. All of a sudden you have a purpose where you're Mm -hmm. thinking of food as fuel and as functional rather than just like getting through the day. Right. Two more things about carbohydrates. Okay. There's a study by Harvard researchers. They found that women who ate whole grains had a higher IVF success rate. In mm-hmm. live birth. So Amazing. it's cool because now that we have, yeah, now we have IVF to help us research nutrition and fertility. Because for so long, it was hard to have good research on pregnant women because it, it's just they're a hard group to study without
1: mm-hmm. ethical issues. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm.
0: But IVF has helped. We also found that women, those same women who had high IVF success rate in live birth, also had a thicker endometrial lining. On the day of embryo, embryo transfer, and these are women who included whole grains in their diet.
1: That's amazing. So, so like rice, I'm thinking my Ezekiel bread that I that I eat yeah. every morning, Okay. Yep. Yep.
0: Uh, things like yep, brown rice, quinoa, and you know, whole grain breads and whole grain pastas, sweet potatoes is like a con- good complex carb. Nice sprouted so,
1: breads,
0: sprouted grains, absolutely yummy. So there are a lot of good things you can include to keep your blood sugar balanced as a PCO patient, PCOS patient, but also,
1: you know, not overdo them. So, okay. Such good feedback. So don't cut carbs completely. Um, so you mentioned balanced meals and making sure you're getting enough at each meal setting and not skipping meals. Would you say breakfast is the most, you know, you hear that term breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Is that true? Is there, you know, in portions, can you talk a little bit about portions and just getting adequate nutrients in the morning specifically?
0: Breakfast is an important meal of the day. I don't know if it's the most important meal of the day because so every meal is important to me like (laughs) as a food
1: person. You're like, I'm a nutritionist. Um, Food in general is important.
0: (laughs) And really, it's like what we do over the entire day makes a big difference. But the reason for fertility is that I do encourage people to get breakfast, specifically in this season, is because it is important to make sure we're getting enough. And usually, if we skip breakfast, it can impact our nutrition for the rest of the day. And, of course, our cortisol is kind of higher in the morning. Naturally, it gets us out of bed. But cortisol is a stress hormone and it can affect our hormones the rest of the day. So often if we eat food and take care of ourselves in the morning, that cortisol will will come down and not be just so all-consuming of our body and stress our adrenals and our hormones. So it is important to get some breakfast. Now listen to your body. If you're not someone who wakes up super hungry, you don't have to start like cooking a three-egg omelet. Mm -hmm. I am a big fan of breakfast because it does – Include eggs. And eggs is a great source of choline, which is a precursor to folate. And both of those are really essential for fertility. So eggs really are a fertility food. So if you can include those anytime, it's great for fertility. But if you're not a breakfast eater, sometimes I will just tell people, just add some collagen to your coffee, add some mct oil to your coffee mm-hmm. blend it up at least you're getting something in your stomach besides caffeine yeah. which is a stimulant and it's not going to set us up well for the day in terms of stress hormones right and
1: i love mct oil in my coffee i don't do it every morning but i will say um regardless of fertility it gives me kind of that boost where i don't have that insulin drop later you know where you feel like you're just like on empty and you'll eat you'll yeah. make bad food choices later um, exactly. Cause you get some fat and some protein for your stomach yeah. to work on. And it is it's yeah. delicious, I think. Um, okay. So whether you're an IVF pe- patient and you're going to consider egg retrieval and you want to, you know, boost those ovaries, or if you are just simply trying to conceive, You might be looking at eliminating things that you normally do. I know for me, we'll talk about egg retrieval later for me, but I know that I decided to cut out caffeine completely. Um, I believe they told me to cut out alcohol, but can you, Kathy, can you talk a little bit about um, cutting those two things out if you're trying, you know, to boost your fertility and if you're making those decisions, should your husband be also making those decisions? Should they be eliminating those things too?
0: Okay, so caffeine and alcohol, yes. those two things, right? right? Okay, so let's talk about caffeine first. I The
1: coffee, the coffee lovers on this are like,
0: <laughs> I know, I actually just had a pregnant friend text me and she's in her third trimester and she was like, can I have coffee? And I just was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you've made it this long. <laughs> she's like, caffeine free, yeah, she's so tired. Oh. So yeah, thankfully the, uh, the scientific evidence is very strong. That when you're trying to conceive and when you're pregnant, you can have 200 to 300 milligrams of caffeine per day, which is about one cup of coffee. And that's like one regular cup of coffee. Starbucks may be like pretty stout, maybe more than that.
1: <laughs> pretty stout. But um, you're saying regular coffee, not not just one cup of decaf.
0: No, I'm saying regular caffeine. And I, with all my pregnancies and and pregnant with as a surrogate Mm -hmm. with your son, (laughs) I have had one (laughs) cup a day pretty straight through even my first trimester. Maybe that's why
1: he was so wiggly last time we saw him. He was so wiggly. (laughs) am just kidding. He's hyped. Oh, no.
0: It does cross the placenta, so you do have to be careful, but the evidence shows that high caffeine intake can increase your risk of miscarriage, and that was like I mean, four cups of coffee. So really one cup of coffee is, is being safe. Now, if you're trying to conceive and you feel more comfortable with completely cutting out caffeine, I think that's great. Like if you feel like I want to, I want to make sure I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing, you want to cut out caffeine and alcohol completely Mm -hmm. go for it because of course that really helps when you're drinking alcohol and caffeine or any kind of, you know, (laughs) anything besides water, your liver goes to work, especially with alcohol, right? So your liver has to detox alcohol. And when your liver is working on those things, it takes priority on alcohol and caffeine and that type of thing. So it moves away from doing other natural detoxes of like environmental toxins and maybe things we come into contact with. So when you remove those things, you're naturally giving your liver more room and more availability to do just natural detoxing that comes in its way. So of course it's helpful to cut out anything like that that you can, but most of the research says caffeine is safe. In terms of alcohol, for women you know, we recommend, I recommend as a practitioner that women who are trying to conceive limit it to two to three glasses a week. Um, Just because the evidence is controversial and kind of undecided on what it looks like. And again, it's like your, your body kind of goes into priority of detoxing the alcohol rather than other important. um, But two to three glasses a week is kind of my recommendation. That's generally what I did when we were preparing. And then I think The month of transfer, our doctor recommended that I stop. Mm -hmm. Um, There is some science that looks at people in the two-week wait. So the two-week wait is like after transfer, after embryo transfer, so after IVF, to the 10 to 14 days that you find out you're pregnant. The study looked at people's behavior in that time, and it did find that those who did not drink in that two week wait was significantly more successful. So I do recommend to my patients especially those going through IVF to not drink in that waiting period.
1: Yeah, and your and your fertility doctor will absolutely say the same thing. So what about husbands yeah. too? I mean my husbands. my first inkling is that your husband should should totally be on board because making a baby is a 50-50 thing and if you're doing the thing so should he. They should do it. Whip him into shape, ladies. Uh, yes. Take away his coffee. 100%. Just, um, <laughs> tell him.
0: Uh, yes. 100% because we know that any type of uh, toxin or anything that causes inflammation affects sperm health. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Yeah. So I say the same for men. Um, I say let's limit caffeine. They are a little, they have a little more wiggle room because things like that aren't don't affect their hormones like they affect ours but um so caffeine one to two glasses you know one to two servings a day for men alcohol uh the science is still up but one thing we do know about men and their sperm health is that alcohol is an inflammatory you know food product mm-hmm. And it can cause inflammation. It can cause something we call oxidative stress. And oxidative stress is pretty much cellular inflammation. And it can really impact sperm health, sperm quality. And um, it is really important to make sure that men aren't excessively drinking. So my recommendation for men is is one drink a day.
1: That is a good recommendation. Let's hope. Yeah,
0: because that's pot. That's doable.
1: It's so doable. Um Let's veer off on the food and drink for a minute, and let's talk about my favorite thing, sleep, and my not-so-favorite thing, exercise. So sleep and exercise, I mean, I've heard a lot excessive exercise is not a good thing. So what are your thoughts on that? And, I mean, obviously, a balanced lifestyle. We can do a whole other episode based on that. But what what are those two things, you know, recommendations as it relate to as it relates to fertility great so
0: exercise let's talk about exercise first so exercise is very important we look at research the harvard fertility study is one i've mentioned before in another Mm -hmm. episode and many other research articles we look at moderate exercise equals better fertility we do see that people who are exercisers generally have better fertility So exercise is important. You have to get blood flow to your reproductive organs. So especially those of us who sit a lot for our jobs, it's so important to move around every day to get your heart rate up. We do see that high intensity exercises can impact women's hormones. I never want to scare anybody away from exercise if they're trying to conceive because exercise is so important for fertility and for hormone Mm -hmm. balance and for stress management. So important anytime we're exercising to the point where it does affect our cycle so i don't know if anybody's listening i have been here where you're training for something and you're exercising so hard that you're you skip your cycle your period goes away that's not a great sign okay that's usually a sign that your body is overstressed and because exercise actually is a form of stress um now if you have your cycle every month and you're doing some good exercise, you know, we know even in pregnancy recommendations, I tell people exercise like you have been doing if you feel up to it. Listen to your body. If you feel like you need to take a nap after you exercise, like it's probably a bit too much. So for me personally, I found that I wanted to dial it back when I was preparing for IVF, right instead of doing like an hour kickboxing class that I mean, I would just be dripping sweat afterwards. I would do a bar class and like, you know, a small jog, right? Still great exercise, but just low to moderate intensity, whether rather than high intensity. That was me personally. Mm -hmm. So moderate exercise is great. Dial it back. If you do find that it's overstressing your body or affecting your cycle.
1: That's good feedback. Sleep. Yes.
0: (laughs) Sleep. I was like, that's the other thing she said. Sleep. (laughs) Sleep. Okay. Yes. Sleep is so important for hormone regulation. It de-stresses our body. If I'm ever talking to someone about stress management, the first things we talk about are sleep and mm. exercise. These are the really important things to help our adrenals, our cortisol, our hormones. At night, we do a lot of resting and digesting. And there are a lot of hormone regulation that takes place. There's actually some natural like detoxing that takes place at night. And we actually have really good research on melatonin, right? Melatonin is something we naturally make, our bodies naturally make when it starts getting dark outside. It helps us relax. It actually acts as an antioxidant and it supports ovulation. So sleep is important. The recommendation, of course, is seven to eight hours a night. Um, Turn off screens. There are a lot of devices like Apple watches and Fitbits that track your sleep. Super cool. I that's always good information. I would information. love to track
1: my sleep. I um I can always tell when I've had a terrible night's sleep when Charlotte snuck in and kicked me all night and I wake up that my digestion is off like I'm it's you can so you can so tell when your sleep is off. Um how much is like how much sleep should we be getting? Did you say that? How much Seven to eight hours a night.
0: Yeah, I'll repeat it because it's important. Seven to eight hours a night. And that's good sleep, right? Like I always evaluate that a little more with my clients. I'm like, okay, do you wake up feeling rested? Do you wake up and go to the bathroom many times, right? Do you wake up and go straight back to sleep? So those things are important to evaluate. If you're sleeping, if you're waking up one time a night to go to the bathroom, that's pretty normal, but more than
1: that. It's are abnormal. you getting into the REM, the REM cycle? Yes. Are you getting deep? <sighs> sleep? Are you dreaming? <laughs> Those are the best nights' sleep. Really? When you have the vivid dreams. Do you do you remember your dreams? I usually always do, and and I sometimes ah. I wake up being like, oh my gosh! And then there's something happens that like as the day goes on, I forget it. It's super. It's very strange. Um, I don't dream every night though. I'm kind of jealous of the people who dream every night.
0: I don't either. I sleep real um, hard. Well, that's why people have dream journals that you write them down right when you wake up. I know. I need to start
1: keeping one. Okay. So let's talk about infertility because I know there's women listening who are maybe currently pregnant and trying to do all the right things as far as nutrition or just, you know, just found out they were pregnant or maybe having a hard time getting pregnant. Is infertility, and I know the answer to this, but is infertility a women's problem? A woman's problem? And can you talk a little bit more about that as it relates to the males as well?
0: Yes. It's so important to know that it's not a woman's problem. And I know women know that in Mm -hmm. their minds. It's hard not to know that in your heart, right? It's hard not to hold the responsibility and the account. Yes, to feel guilty. So it's really important to know the facts because it's not a woman's problem. It's so important to bring in your husband with what you're doing. I talk to a lot of women who are taking like nine supplements and their husbands aren't even taking a multivitamin. Right. (laughs) So like, it's like, uh, it's like, okay, let's at least have a conversation where this is a joint effort, but the science and the research tells us that 40%, maybe even up over to 50% cases of infertility are contributed by male infertility. So like you said, 50, 50, 50
1: 50. and your
0: man, same with women, same with women, like 40 to 50. And then whatever is left is generally, um, unknown, right? Unknown Mm -hmm. causes. And so it's, it's so hard because there are so many factors to women's hormonal health, to women's fertility, men, generally get like a sperm analysis and they say, oh, you're good. And they go on. But a lot of things are not caught in that sperm analysis, but they will look at, you know, uh, not just sperm count, but they'll look at qual- uh, morphology. So like the size and things like Quality,
1: that. Quality. They'll look at not just quantity. Yes.
0: Well, sometimes, right? There's only so much you can get from that test. Like quality is one of those that you can't really tell oh, very really? well. But you can generally look at how much and if, if they're swimming.
1: Okay, oh, I see. Yeah. I see. I see. That is crazy. <laughs> you know, can... so. Okay. Yeah.
0: And also like shape, right? So if there's like two heads and two tails or if, if things look well. But sperm quality is one that is really important. So some of the vitamins I mentioned earlier are important for men. And also there's one that is great for sperm quality and egg quality as well is a vitamin I want to mention called coenzyme Q10. My fertility clinic actually recommended it to me. So again, I feel confident with saying it out loud for a general population. Uh, Coenzyme Q10 has a great research on its ability to help kind of repair damaged sperm. So really help with the quality, same thing with egg quality. And so it's actually a really great supplement for other... Other than that, sperm quality, kind of the Mediterranean diet is really helpful for men. So eating like less meat, less fried foods, less dairy, and more plants and fish and like red, yellow, orange colored vegetables. Yes.
1: And I never knew what that supplement was until I started talking to you more about all those things. And I was recently picking out a multivitamin and I saw that right next to the prenatals. So it's right there. Yeah. Oh, in good. The store. So it's right there next to all the prenatals and the men multivitamins. So, yeah,
0: I do think too, I just want to say this for like the men who are possibly listening is that, you know, it just sometimes helps women when their husbands are taking some vitamins and showing some mm-hmm. effort, even if their sperm quality is good, right? We can always improve it. Right. So like what we take now can impact our babies. So why not? And I think it just shows that it is a team effort asking questions, also taking supplements, doing their own research. I love that so
1: much because I feel like infertility, you can feel kind of so alone and it's so important to feel like your partner supporting you. And like for men, it's like like what you just said. It doesn't hurt. (laughs) I think I, when we were preparing to create embryos, which we'll talk about in a future episode, I like put some, some (laughs) multivitamins and some pills on Richard's uh, side of his sink. And he's like, what are, what is all this? You know? So I think as women, we try to do everything we can do. I don't know if men are used to taking a lot of vitamins every, I mean, it depends on who you are, I guess, but um, yes, partners, husbands get on board. It can't hurt. We can all boost, boost our health and nutrition. But as we're talking about the men, what I know they can take the supplements, what other things they can do? I mean, I've heard like the myths out there, you know, wear boxers, not briefs, you know, stay away from hot tubs. Are those all silly myths or are those accurate? Oh my goodness. I'm so glad <laughs> we're talking about
0: this because I love this question. Okay. Okay. I grabbed a book that I'm going to reference, and I want you guys to jot it down. I will link it in our show notes. It's a book by one of my colleagues called, uh, her name's Lauren Manneker, and the book is called Fueling Male Fertility. Heck yes. Yes, and it's really great, readable book. There's bullet points at the back of each chapter that makes it really digestible, and she has a lot of great research in here. And she has a whole chapter about, like, scrotal temperature. What? It's awesome. <laughs> I'm like, get it, Lauren. So it's actually, a lot of the myths are true in terms of, like, heat, right? Like, we know that heat, so, <laughs> aka scrotal temperature.
1: <laughs> oh, Lord.
0: Actually can nev- negatively affect the process of making sperm. Negatively affect. So, yes. The thing is... Like, are people getting in hot tubs every day? I mean, I doubt do
1: it. do men take hot baths? Is that like a woman's thing? Like, I don't know. Do, I mean, should they be I, staying away from hot? I, I don't know.
0: Listen, some men take hot baths. Good for them. Good for women. To Everyone take hot should baths, take hot, honestly.
1: hot baths for their just overall <laughs> happiness. But does she say it?
0: But we don't want it to yeah, be like, super hot. Yeah, does she say how yeah, hot but, is too hot? <laughs> I mean, I think people okay. should know All this, right. right? If it's like, if it's like, if you have to wait and like dip your toe, yeah, in I was and gonna say, into your hot body, tub it's probably usually
1: hot. like a hot hot tub is like one hundred and four degrees, so that's pretty freaking yeah. hot. So yeah.
0: that's hot. That's probably too hot for a bath. If you're getting in a hot tub every day, I would
1: reconsider. If
0: you're getting in the hot tub once on a tr- weekend trip, you're probably fine. The one thing you want to think about. Is the day-to-day thing that affects the temperature of your reproductive organs. I'll stop saying. Yeah, please don't ever say that again. Gross.
1: <laughs> I feel. I'll feel Sweater strange. After yes. That. Keep going.
0: Okay, so that's the idea of boxers versus briefs. Like sometimes tighter underwear, it makes it you know less airy, maybe like higher temperatures down there. So I'm going to tell you about this recent well-designed study in 2018. <laughs> that looked at the type of underwear men wear and their sperm analysis. And actually, it does show that wearing boxer shorts are better because they said that the results indicated that men who wore boxer shorts had 25% higher sperm concentration versus men who did not. And they had a 17% higher total sperm count than men who wore,
1: wow, you know, tighter. tighter no tighty-whities. Throw those away. Throw
0: those away whiteys. after you like
1: 10 years old, though right
0: i thought that was wow. so interesting yeah
1: that's amazing
0: just when you're trying to conceive do what's comfortable mm-hmm. right but when you're trying to conceive again it's like the vitamins why not just right?
1: yeah why not that's what i say
0: why not and then also like again the day to day things that causes heat there's actually great research that says things like computers and cell phones and things that we have in our lap that are high temperatures
1: oh. can affect
0: of course the temperature of that area. So those are kind of the more the day-to-day thing rather than like a hot tub. So
1: those are things to keep away from your wild. Lap. I was totally going I thought you were going to say yeah that's a myth. That is let's move on, but that's wild. Okay. Yeah. So this is more of a general question about infertility and fertility obviously, you know, No one wants to go the IVF route. I mean, you and I have a specific journey that we're on, but as far as a woman and a couple who is um, trying to get pregnant and trying all the things, trying all the nutrition, all those things, how long, in your opinion, just because this is kind of your field, before you try and change your food choices and all those things before you go see a fertility doctor?
0: That's a great question because I do think that people start, you start trying and then you're disappointed the Mm -hmm. month it doesn't work. I will say nutrition and lifestyle changes, uh, vitamins, cutting back your exercise. I tell my clients to give themselves three to six months. We know that the vitamins we take today are actually affecting our egg quality three months from now. Because our eggs are as simply put like get, they're, they're getting lined yeah. up they're getting ready for battle, they're kind yeah. of you know gearing up so what we take now is actually affecting our egg quality three wow. months from now in terms of hormone balance like that sometimes that, that stuff happens mm-hmm. faster, but it's good to have realistic expectations three to six months if you're making significant lifestyle changes, supplementation, the average couple will try for 10 months, and that's why most of the time doctors. Your OB or doctors will tell you, at, try for a year and then call us if you don't conceive. My thought is that you can be your own health advocate. If you try for six months and you're really tracking your ovulation and you're, you've are you changed your lifestyle and you're still not seeing, you know, two pink lines mm-hmm. on your pregnancy test, go ahead and call your doctor. Ask for some basic routine lab test. There's a couple things things I tell people to ask for. And then you can rule things out, right? Then like, you're not just guessing. Vitamin D levels we talked about. If you ask for that and you get your results back and they're very low, your doctor can mega dose you. They can give you like 50,000 units in the week and bump that up pretty quickly. I would ask for thyroid panel because sometimes even just subclinical hypothyroidism can impact your fertility. And then I would ask for hormone panel. And those three things
1: can tell you a lot. Otherwise that's huge because
0: yeah, six or that that's
1: it's good to remind everyone of that. And also I liked what you said about you are your own advocate. Be in tune with your body. I mean, when you talk about hormone panel, that's something that I've never asked my doctor for. I don't think I've ever I don't I don't even know if I know if I got it back, my results, if I would know what was normal or what wasn't.
0: Right. We'll have to do another episode on that of like what's what's normal okay. and what's not because – uh, and, and different practitioners have different reference ranges, but generally everybody has a similar okay. one we can look
1: so at. So moral of the story, be your own advocate, but also be patient with yourself. Be patient with your body. Uh, if you're like me, you yes. want results immediately. You're like an overachiever ret- and a perfectionist and want things to happen instantly. So – that's a good reminder. I would have never thought a year, give yourself a year, but that's, that's a good reminder. And, um, later we'll recap the blood work, but just for reference, just right now, you said vitamin D thyroid and hormone, Uh, hormone panels. Those are what
0: to get. Yeah. And you know, there's uh, 12 months feels like a long time. Like I said, three to six months, if you're still having trouble after that, Call your doctor. See if they can go ahead and look at some things for you. So I think people yeah. have an instinct.
1: You know, like there's good apps out there, right? I feel like I never did this, but there I feel like there's a lot of um, women out there that are using these apps and tracking their ovulation and and it's getting pretty detailed.
0: It is. Great things. And you can work with someone like a fertility coach. This a lot of what I do, you can work with somebody who kind of double checks. says yeah you're on the right track or no let's add this and that you can be proactive before that 12 month mark um so yeah absolutely so when we wrap up i do i do want to just encourage people like i've given a lot of (laughs) advice and supplements and you know sleep and stress and some nutrition and and really i want to encourage you that you do not have to be perfect to make progress on your fertility you know we don't have to do everything perfect with my clients I encourage them to pick like some really tangible things that make us feel like we're taking steps forward. So saying like, okay, um, our whole family is going to have meatless Mondays. We're going to go to bed an hour earlier. We're going to check our prenatal, make sure it has folate. We're going to take five minute family walks at the end of the day, you can do these small things that if you do them consistently, they make a huge impact on your fertility and your hormone health. So don't feel like you have to do all the things every day. You know, it's just so important to start.
1: Baby steps. I love that. Give yourself grace, pat yourself on the back. Kathy, thank you. That was uh, just a wealth of knowledge. So that was fantastic. I'm happy to share I want to
0: shout out a couple resources for people if you're looking for more. Uh, I work with a lot of amazing dietitians who specialize in fertility. So if you do want somebody to work with, if it's you don't feel like I'm the right person, I can direct you to somebody. I have a free fertility foods list on my website, babyandmenutrition.com. It's free. You can download it kind of at the top of the website. And I will link that in the show notes. I referenced Fueling Male Fertility by Lauren Manneker, and that will be in there. Another book that I really encourage people to read when you're getting started is a book by Rebecca Fett, F-E-T-T. It's called It Starts With The Egg. And it has a lot of wonderful resources and references and research on lifestyle so things we talked about like sleep and stress and supplements um, and also nutrition on fertility it's called it starts with the egg it starts with the egg and i will link that too i always like to give people kind of yes. some more to look through because it's just there's so many websites you can google and like what do i do what i what you know what do i eat what do i how how much do i sleep all the things you ask does what does my husband take right so those are just some good places to get that's them. right
1: so beautiful you have a lot of other info to look up and kathy thank you guys thank you for listening don't forget to check your mails scrotum temperature and uh (laughs) we'll catch you next time (laughs) oh my gosh bye This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. This is the platform that we use to record and produce our podcast. Guys, we are not tech savvy. I was
0: so overwhelmed thinking about how to start a podcast, but we knew that it was the best and easiest way for us to share our story. And Anchor has been so easy to use and really
1: intuitive
0: for anyone, no matter how comfortable you are with podcasting or technology.
1: They simplify it for you. So, you can record your episodes, add music, activate sponsorship, and distribute your podcast to Apple, Spotify, and all other listening platforms, all through Anchor. So, download the Anchor app for free
0: or visit anchor.fm to get started. That's A N C H O R.fm to get started.
1: Have fun.